I am Sumit Gupta and this is Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams at work and life. This is a podcast for people who know deep inside that there is more. Have you achieved a great deal of success, but on the inside you still feel empty and like an imposter? Do other people see you as a strong leader and you wonder why it still feels so lonely and suffocating? The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. I dare to speak to the tremendous power which you already have rather than what you believe are your strengths and limitations. This podcast is called Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. And this is the Leadership Journey series. I am interviewing leaders with an interesting story to learn how they got where they are today. We all have a lot to learn from each other's stories of where we started, where we are now and our successes and struggles on the way. With this series of interviews, my attempt is to give leaders an opportunity to share their stories and for all of us to learn from their generous sharing. Bart is the founder of Sprints and Sneakers who have developed their own data-driven growth model to deliver extraordinary results. He is also a startup mentor at Startup Weekend in Amsterdam and a father. In this interview, which is one of the longest one I have done, because both of, our, both of us were having so much fun, Bart talks about his goal to offer meaningful and fun work to a thousand people. We also talk about the value of stopping and celebrating and all that happens under the surface of spoken words when it comes to people conversations and leadership. You do not want to miss listening to this one. Hey Bart, welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, good to have you here. Yeah, to begin with and to jump right in for our listeners, can you share a little bit about yourself, who you are and what do you do? Yeah, thank you so much for having me and uh, I'm excited to be here as well. My name is Bart Sanders. I'm the founder of uh, Sprints and Sneakers. We are on growth hacking. 36 years old. I live in Amsterdam and I have a son of 10, 10 months old. So I always tell people that's my most challenging project at the moment in comparison to our clients. But uh, yeah, we're having a lot of fun doing what we do. And we are, I have a team of about 40 people right now. A lot of fun people. So yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I'm glad you spoke about your son because so often we, we don't talk about our families and, and you also spoke about it being your biggest challenge. And I think sometimes <laughs> being open about it uh, actually creates uh, uh, that level of uh, like openness or trust even within your team, even within your team members. Yeah, I think people yeah. tend to, when you introduce yourself, they tend to move towards the, the business type mm-hmm. of, of person, the business things about you but we're all people and i think a big part of my life is my family so it's definitely worth mentioning and yeah there's no book where it's written how to how to raise a kid so that's that's why i, I love it and but why it's also challenging that's and, and somehow you can compare it to our work because we try to do a lot of stuff that's never done before in growth mm-hmm. hacking so there's no manual for it you just try and and see if it works and if it doesn't you try again or try different and learn from your failures. So this is, if I talk about it right now, it's somehow, yeah, a bit, we could compare it a bit. Indeed. So can you share a little bit of your backstory, how you came to be doing what you're doing today? Yeah. So if we go way back, then I always tell people that I, I wish somebody told me when I was 15 or 16 that I could start my own company because 
Well, I went from a, 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 a decent level towards a lower level, a pre-bachelor. I'm not sure how, what the English name is for it, but then I did like in, in Dutch to call it MBO. Mm-hmm. Then I did a bachelor and then I did university. So it t- took a long way. In the end, I, I got where I wanted to be. But looking back, yeah, people really don't really told me like when I was younger, okay, uh, my parents, and I, I'm thankful that they did, they said like, go studying and uh, the highest level that you can and uh, you'll get a job at some big company you'll be a manager and uh, i wanted to be a manager when i was younger and uh, mm. i wish somebody had told me like hey, what you can also learn something that you're really i was also always busy with my hands for example so and i think nowadays if you're really good at something you can always make money and that's what i always say you can always it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're really good at it you will yeah. always there will always be a mark but well, nobody really told me that that there was also an opportunity to start your own business so I, I found that out when i was doing my masters at the uh, Rossens university where i did entrepreneurship and new business venturing and yeah and that's where i found out like hey cool this are the elements that you can use to grow a business and actually before that i was doing a technical study and there was a a big need for welders, so I, I could, I can, I can still weld. I hope at least I didn't, mm-hmm. didn't do it for a long time, but uh, yeah, I, I went to the chamber of commerce and I just signed in. I, I think I was seventeen or eighteen years old, and I started welding for companies because there was such a big need. Like I got letters from everywhere when I finished my study. I come work here, come work. So this was my first little entrepreneurial experience. I'm not sure how entrepreneurial freelancing is. Yeah, but, but yeah, I, I typically say that something entrepreneur, something you can build up and, uh, and eventually leave behind. This is actually my goal. So yeah, later on, I started realizing, uh, yeah, if if you start your own company, you can decide a lot of things for yourself. You can decide the people that you work with, the clients that you work with, how you work together. So I, I try to create like this a unique company culture and create a legacy with it that inspire other companies as well. How how we work together and etc. Not really from a point that I didn't want to work for a boss because that's what you sometimes hear. You say like, oh no, I want to be my own boss because I, I never had problems working for bosses. Like I, I never felt like it because they always gave, gave me the freedom to operate in a way that I could excel and, and do things that how I wanted to do. This by the way, a long story about background, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm quite curious, right? What you shared about always being good with your hands and uh, taking a very unconventional or a different route. How does yeah. that shape uh, shape now your views about people management, about being a manager? What do you do, do differently in your company, which is coming from like your experience, your journey? Yeah, so I think I, I'm very red. If you look at the characteristics of the first disc methodology, it, it might be because there was a wooden plate at my parents' toilet that said a villa is, is gonna, and it means if you want it bad enough, you can do it. I mm. really think that I'm not sure if it comes from that, probably somewhere in my, I got it from my parents as well, but this is what um, really characterized me. And I, I like to be very active. So. Uh, when I was younger, I was always busy with my hands. I was always doing something. I was always active and, and building stuff and uh, taking apart a scooter and then rebuild it or like messing around with the cars and, and, and uh, the engines and all that. I was always busy with something. So I, I really had that hands-on mentality. But at that point, and, and I started also realizing that, yeah, I'm not sure if I, when I'm 50 or 60 years old, I still want to do it. 
So then I started realizing maybe I should try to study at the highest level as possible. Also thankful, thanks to my parents that, that sometimes really pushed me uh, in, in the hope that I got there. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So now I had that, I think that hands-on mentality while also having like universal, universal background, which in, in this case, it's very handy because our work is very much get shit done. Mm. Like try it, experiment and, but while doing it data driven. Right. So you have the statistics that can really prove if an experiment is the right thing, A is better than B, maybe there's a significant difference between the two of them. And how it shaped me as a leader, right? I, it's a really good question because I tried to, to look at, at the potential of, of the team. And if, if you look at that, if you think about that wooden play, if you really want it, you can do it. So this is really in line with the growth mindset. I believe that people can do typically everything if they want it bad enough. And of course, the one, the one person is born with a prettier or we're with more brains and, but I would read it. So we don't really judge on what you can do at this, this point, but we, we look at people at the, the potential, like their learning mm -hmm. capacity, how fast can they, they, they learn something, how willing are they to go the next mile and to really push towards the, the result. And I think that's. Failure is a big part of our culture here. So I think that's also how, how I try to lead. I, I try to look at the potential. I try to not judge people by what they can't do, but really believe in what they can do and nothing more than anyone else here. So this is also what I learned because I, I love to, to talk to people, like even here in the street, the guys that, that take rid of, take rid of the garbage. I offer them coffee and have a chat, but also with the CEO of a big corporate company. I like that as well, but nobody's more than a different person. I think that is one of my principles that are really uh, value a lot, Like it doesn't matter if you like, if you have a hundred million or not, if you have, if you're super smart or super pretty, like we're all people. And, and, and I think that's the base of the uh, culture here and the leadership, how, how we try to do it, to really try to help each other. Thank you. I, th I think that's uh, that's quite commendable also, right? And quite uh, worth appreciating what you just shared. I think this shows a sense of groundedness, like a, a sense of knowing your position and then taking a stand for that, which yeah. doesn't mean that you're superior, but it also doesn't mean that you are inferior or you hold yourself lesser than anybody yeah. else. Yeah, and obviously... Yeah, no, I'm, for me, sorry to interrupt, I'm also always learning, like always be learning mm -hmm. as well, the principles in that. And I've never done this before. That's what I often mm -hmm. say to the team as well. So please give me feedback if you see something that I can improve. Because for me, it's the first time having a company with 40 people and probably next year 100 and, and next year 250. So uh, I need to learn. I need to learn every day and, and ask for feedback and, and always be improving else we cannot be successful together. So. Yeah, yeah. So given what you shared, right? 40 people and then into hundreds, that's where you're headed. So what is it uh, that you find most challenging right now? And then how are you learning to deal with those challenges? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So the target comes from my personal BHAG, my big hairy audacious goal. And, and that's that I want to offer a thousand people uh, meaningful and fun work. Because mm. I think for a lot of people, work is something you need to do to get paid for. And I really believe that it should be a lot of fun and it should be meaningful. What you do should have, it should contribute to a better uh, world and that's what we were B Corp and really focused on impact, all that things. 
we're growing pretty fast. So this month, uh, three new people started. And what you see right now is that yeah, we, we need to reorganize. So we you need to constantly be busy. Like we do retrospectives. We look back at what are we doing? How are we doing it? Is there better? And uh, if you're growing so fast, you need to be aware of the fact that you need to maintain your culture. So you're, you're putting in new people into your safe environment. And I think psychological mm. safety is one of the most important things for high-performing te- teams. So you need to be aware of that. And you need to be aware of the workload of people. So if you put people in a new position and you offer them an opportunity to grow and, and to get promotion, it's always new and it's, it's you have to be aware of that. So we're, I'm constantly looking at the, the organizational structure about how are people performing and are they at the right position? It's like a puzzle. And especially when you're growing so fast, it's, that's challenging because we have a pretty young team. I think I always tell my, my leadership team that we have the youngest leadership team in the Netherlands mm-hmm. might even be worldwide. I don't know. But they're very young, except for one or two people. I'm the, I'm the oldest guy. Most of the people are under 28 uh, or at least 30. So that also makes it challenging. But they're so willing to learn. And we have a, 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 an amazing feedback culture. So we try to help each other to, to be the best in what we do. And uh, yeah, and one of the other challenges is finding a bigger office. <laughs> That's a very pr- practical thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I loved how you're laughing about it. And uh, also you use the word puzzle. A lot of people... Uh, use very heavy sounding words like problems or hierarchies or structures. But yeah. uh, what, what it shows me is that you're taking even those challenges with a sense of curiosity and, and learning again, because sometimes we can make learning more difficult by using heavy words like burden or problems or, and an- another thing which I loved is the way you define your BHAG is that allowing thousand people to, to do meaningful work and a lot of people focus on revenue, on growth or on your customers. But I think this is the first time I'm hearing somebody talking about employees and their experience first. Yeah. So I'm also wondering what caused you to have data as a goal, right? Mm, yeah. I had some previous employers before I started Sprints and Sneakers and some of them were super positive and some of them were also a more an environment where you get paid to, to do certain work. And when I was around my 30s, I started to, uh, when I turned 30, I around that uh, time, I started realizing like, what am I doing and what am I contributing? So what do I want, what do I want to leave behind? And I was actually in an environment where money was super important. I was working for a software company and, and, and well, the most important thing they were always talking about was money, my targets, money, and, my, and it was good because I, I, I had a good salary as well. And that's nice. I thought. But at some point you also started realizing that it's not, that's not enough. And, and, and I started thinking about that. And, and, and so also with that experience where I believe a lot of environments also, and it, it, it strengthened because of uh, COVID where you saw a lot of people struggling with their mental health and, and companies were not, I think, able to deal with that in a good way. Uh, I really believe that if you spend so much time doing something, it should be meaningful, right? It's mm-hmm. to contribute to something else while you're spending all that time. And if, if you don't have that feeling that you contribute to something, I think it's really hard to be motivated. I think some a lot of people can because they're doing it, right? They get paid for it. But I think it's so much easier if you have something that is really meaningful and you can contribute to something. And it's it doesn't really feel like work. And it sounds cliche, of course, but you're doing something with the reason with the purpose and yeah, if I can offer people that opportunity, actually this morning I was thinking, do you know the Dutch word, uh, it means that the guy who's offering work. And I was actually thinking about changing it to 
zingever, uh, which means I, I don't offer people work, but I offer people meaning. Hmm. I offer them, I give them the opportunity to do meaningful work and contribute to something where I actually have the feeling, hey, if you look back in 10 years, 20 years, and even like in the end of your life, you can look back and say like, hey, this is what I left behind. This is how I changed the world a bit. And yeah, and I, I think that's the most important thing. If you guys see people here having fun and, and contributing to something, this is way more important. And like revenue is always a result from something. I, I don't, of course, we need to have revenue to pay all the salaries and people want to earn more. And, and yes, of course, but it's the most people in my team realize that, that having fun and meaningful work is way more important than having the highest salary. And, and it's clear because we can hire a lot of people still in this market. While actually my, one of my competitors is actually pushing on, we pay more than our, than other company. That's that our USP. Mm -hmm. In, in our, and we say the exact opposite. If you draw, if you think about two circles, like traditional circle is, it has two parts. The one part is salary and the other is job title. That's where it used to be about. If you look at our circle, there are like 10 parts. And, and one of the parts is mental health, physical health, meaningful work, fun, a lot of social activities, freedom, uh, unlimited vacation days and all that. Like the, 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 I think the circle where it's about your, and it's also not about our work, it's about your life. And what you do with it. And I think that's the biggest uh, um, difference between how we look at things mm. and how a lot of other companies look at, look at things. Because I think people's lives is way more important than the specific work they do here. If they're not happy here, they should go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. People's lives are much more important than the work that they're doing. Yeah. Also health, right? The mental health. Like how can you aim for certain revenue? while people, while destroying people's mental health, like this is really crazy if entrepreneurs do it. Like you can yeah. never put revenue in front of the mental or like even physical health in any way. Yes, exactly. So I've, I was talking to a group of entrepreneurs a few days ago, and then we were yeah. talking exactly about the same thing that the productivity and the revenue, whatever numbers you have, is not in opposition to well-being and health. In fact, if well-being and health is taken care of, it is natural that the productivity and every other metric that you track will also. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I hope a lot of entrepreneurs are starting to realize this more and more because they're talking about the new normal now with COVID and working from home. And I don't understand. Is this the new normal? Five years ago, I was telling people like, wherever there's Wi-Fi, just work there. Like, I don't care mm -hmm. to you, when you work, where you work, like if, as long as you do it and, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that, right? Now now you have 40 people and you are providing yeah. that that kind of work which you once felt missing for yourself. How does it fa feel to play a role in that and being a part of that journey for them? It feels really good. I have to, I have to talk myself to enjoy that more mm -hmm. because guys recently joined Princess Link as a partner. And uh, I remember him saying that Christmas Day, Christmas Day is not like a YouTube event here. We, the whole day we're going to do like fun stuff. And he said to me, like, okay, you're going to stand here. I'm going to leave you alone. Just enjoy this. Look at the people. Enjoy this for five or 10 minutes. Start realizing what you created so far. Because I'm typically already like three steps ahead in my head. I'm like, I'm already at the th thinking about the thousand people, how to get there or going back to 250 or like 100 and the steps I need to take. And next year, I'm so, but this is, I'm glad I got feedback like in the last years from, from my team. They, they said, okay, we need to celebrate what we're doing. This is crazy. I think we're the top 50 fastest growing company in the Netherlands. And this is something we can really be proud of. So I'm almost really thankful that 
they 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 told me like to enjoy that more and more. I, I, I now do. Like sometimes I go to the office with a big smile every morning. So I'm thankful every day that I can offer people a job that we can uh, do cool stuff and we have fun and that I can spend a lot of time with these people. There's a lot of love to, for each other. And like last night they were having dinner somewhere, three people and we show photos. That's, that's what, mm. it, it's like a, it's like a community where it's way more than doing. So that's lovely to see. And I, I taught myself to enjoy that more. Thank you. I'm, I'm delighted to hear that. Right, uh, because as a leader, you it's your job to look look out into the future and to be a visionary. But many times that can actually stop you from enjoying what is happening in the current moment. And then that not that is many times most often that actually helps you achieve the vision faster, because that creates inclusivity, that creates relationships, that creates a bonding. Yeah. Uh, and uh, right, so what you're sharing is that like uh, you have learned or you're learning to stop, to acknowledge, to just be there, to celebrate before moving mm. on to the next big thing. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. also did a, a, a training in conscious leadership, and this was one of the challenges I brought in there to be happy with what I have. Because, oh man, when I was younger, like when I was young, this is just like a couple of years ago, I was always like more and more. Come on, man. I have big ambition, but you need to, to really be happy with what you have because it's uh, sometimes you don't realize that you're living in a bubble of a bubble, right? So if you, some of my parents live in the East of the Netherlands, as you go there, like you start realizing that, ah, okay, so some things that we're doing, we consider it normal, but you know, sometimes you have to get out to, to realize, okay, this is not normal for everyone, that you have this, this agenda. Yeah, yeah. And I'm... Um... Also loving how much self-awareness you have and you're connecting the dots of previous experience many years ago and then learning from that and then bringing it into practices which you can do today. And and then also because that gives you meaning, right? So you felt a void or you felt something missing and then you started your own company with that as a goal and then that gives you satisfaction. And a lot of people do not either, first of all, are brave enough to listen to what is missing or what is that yeah. void uh, and then to have the courage to actually take action and to actually make it a reality because it involves going against a lot of like beliefs or customs because uh, a lot of people say stopping is uh, or is being lazy if you're not working if you're spending five minutes that's a waste really? of time and uh, that's yeah. not necessarily true that's just no. an idea or a belief that we have inherited uh, but never yeah. questioned really yeah so I'm glad that you are, you are on this journey of learning and discovery I try to be a good example so to my team. So I try to walk in the office like on a different time, just to show them that you don't have to be at nine and don't have to like nine to five. No, please no. And I go to the gym in the middle of the day just to show them. And I try not to send Slack messages in the weekend or in the evenings, but to give me the other example as well, uh, to have that flexibility and to be in control of your own life. And I think that's, that's very important. Just to have that quality of life and exactly what you're saying, just go for a walk or go jogging in the morning and you'll be way more productive. So working 14 hours straight, that's the stupidest thing you can do. So I think in general, like if you can do six hours really productive work a day, and I think you're very good busy, and then you can do some like email stuff around there, but that's please go to the gym and then work because you will be made way more effective. And yeah, we try to try to support that in, in all the all the way we can. Similar as mental health, so we do like a meditation training, all these kind mm -hmm. of things here to, to help people take care of themselves. In, in the
Yeah, yeah, thank you. That shows me a very deep understanding of like how human beings actually operate and how sometimes taking that space actually allows us to be much more intense and much more productive in a shorter yeah. period of time. And, mm -hmm. and, and that prevents everything. That prevents burnout, that prevents mental health problems, and that prevents a lot of uh, frustration uh, or stress also. Uh, because then you have taken care of, like, as you said, right, multiple elements in your circle. And if uh, more of them are taken care of, then you feel that in your body, you feel that joy or satisfaction in your body. Yeah, thank you. And do you see that mental health is like a, a growing interest topic within the entrepreneurial space, like a trend there? Yes, I, I do see a trend of mental health and well-being being more acceptable. And uh, I, I see it at two levels, right? So one is the way you are talking about it which is the work comes from mental, which is a good way to, to look at it. So you exercise, you meditate, you spend time in nature, and then that allows you to do good work. What I don't like is sometimes companies bring in mental health programs or uh, these meditation rooms as solutions to problems. So if you are too stressed, then we will have you talk to a counselor or a mental health practitioner. Uh, and then that helps, obviously that helps, but that using something much more powerful as only a medicine when it can be much more holistic. It can actually be the mm -hmm. source of productivity. And I see a lot of companies using it as a fix when something goes wrong mm -hmm. and to not provide it beforehand, not provide it before. So these are the two trends. I think, um, I, th I think it will evolve slowly towards the first one where you see that the work comes out of well-being rather than well-being just a tool to get more work done. Yeah. yeah, and I agree that also the next generation, I think, is already way more open about the subject. Because um, I think when I was in my beginning 20s and they would give like a meditation training, I would probably have thought, what the hell? I don't, I'm not going to do this. What are they talking about? And I think that the subject nowadays is really common and it's, it's all fine to talk to coaches and, and uh, whoever wants to help. Like I talk to coaches and everybody should, I think. And I think that's what I'm glad of. And also, if you look at social media, where it was first literally in your life with the filter. And I also start to realize that the younger generation is is more open about also the, the not only the positive things, right? Your, your life mm -hmm. is not all, uh, you cannot have, you cannot put a filter on everything. Like there's also stuff that you need to deal with. And people that, that, that say that they don't have any issue lying because everybody has their own sort of shit. Sorry for my wording. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> and you need to find a way to deal with it. The one person starts playing music with others and, and walking in nature or go to the gym and you have to find a balance in life that is, uh, yeah, that is working for you. And, and like you said, well-being and, and health way above everything else. Yeah. And you start, yeah, you told me you have, a, you have a kid as well. So you, that, that really strengthened that thought. Once you have a kid, you start realizing that for me, like I, it doesn't really influence my ambition or et cetera, but it's given a certain new next level to your life where you realize in the evening, if you're, if my son is sleeping, then I'm like, okay, cool. I don't really have to think about work in the evenings that much anymore. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think being a parent is very related with being a leader because it helps you, first of all, focus on something bigger than yourself. It helps you focus on long term rather than just thinking of short term. Many times the way children deal with things 
it teaches you a lot. So with my son, I'm learning a lot every day, like how to not carry frustration forward. Like he's angry, he's mm. frustrated, and the next moment he's just playing. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. How to be in the moment and how yeah. uh, not not boast about your successes, but also not worry about your failures or setbacks. Mm. Just mm. keep get up, get back up on your feet, and then keep moving on. Even if you fall down, even if you hurt yourself, he's like looking at his hands if he's hurt hurting himself, and he's so joyful about it that this is some something which is going to hurt him for the next few days and then it will go away. I think if we can bring that attitude of curiosity and wonder to our setbacks or not so shiny moments, I think it makes the journey easier. So I think there is, there is a lot of depth in being a parent which uh, translates yeah, into... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes come daddy here as well. So <laughs> they feel like my kid. And it's interesting what you say that it's not about me and I sometimes challenge other entrepreneurs to think about their 100-year plan. And those look at me like, my hundred year plan, but yeah, I, I'm not, I won't be there anymore. And yeah, that's exactly the point. It's not about you, man. Come on. It's, and it's really hard to think about what the world look like, looks like in hundred years, but it's super interesting to think about what you can, you might be able to leave behind. And, and if you start thinking about that, that it's, yeah, all crazy thoughts come up, but the, the, the starting point is, it's not about you. It's about what is there in a hundred years. That's interesting to challenge yourself and start thinking about that but uh yes in the meanwhile it's also it's funny we recently had a guy we invited a guy to get became like a very inspiring talk but his name is Michael Graham and he asked us some questions and one of the questions was write down the most five most uh, important people in your life mm. uh, and he started writing down your, your girlfriend and your son etc so and, and then he, he showed a slide and when you're in an airplane and they tell you if we crush then first add oxygen to yourself because else you won't be capable of helping other people. And I found that so interesting because nobody wrote down his own name, the list of five people that are the most important, right? Well, if I don't take care of myself in a mental and a physical way, like this is a top performing act I, I ask for myself. And if I don't take care of myself, I will never be capable of, of helping others and, and create this work environment, growing this company. And I found that very interesting as well. So on the one hand, it's not about me, but I really have to take care of myself to be capable of contributing to others. Because if I don't, then I, and it's also a live by example. I have to give like the, the good example to others. Yeah. Just picked up on super interesting. Yes. Yes. So one of, one of my coaches uh, says that leadership is a full body contact sport. And mm, I really yeah. like about it because that uh, brings the element of more than the mind, the brain. We are not just yeah. thinking machines. It, includes our full body and mm. then every sports, right? Practice and then self-care is all practice. Self-care is very important because what you do at work is, mm. is key. But I ask people, what? how do you practice for what you do at work? And often they are so busy that they have no time for practice. And, and then that's like a double whammy because unless you practice, unless you see that as a sport, unless you see leadership as a sport, the practice mm. is actually works what yeah. allows you to become a better leader or to have those difficult conversations or to mm. go directly to 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 understand what is happening beneath the surface and then address mm. it at that level rather than getting lost in loops of thoughts or conflicts yeah. or disagreements. So that practice is self-care, right? That practice is uh, maybe meditation, that practice is self-awareness or doing some little exercises like that. So that's a very important thing which I recall from what you shared. Yeah, and I really like how you're saying that it's a full body context for it. It's uh, uh, what I what I learned during the conscious leadership training that I did is that we we are taught to to operate from the head a lot, 
well, mm. not from the heart, from the belly, like your gut feeling. Sometimes you have that feeling, just have to listen to it, right? And, and while when we get older and older, like we, we're taught, yeah, think from the head. Well, and like you're saying, leadership is also sometimes you have a conversation with somebody, and, and while the words would suggest or give both parties the feeling that you're okay with each other, sometimes you feel like an energy mm. in the room, or you have certain body language where you actually know. Like sometimes I'm, I'm talking to a potential client and they'll say, hey, yeah, cool, cool. So we're going to do it, et cetera. And I already know that they're not going to do it because the body language or like the, the, the energies and all the other things that you have that are not the words, everything except the words. So if you really look at communication, then words might be the least important thing, right? You can feel so many different things when you're communicating, when you're leading. And I, I'm very aware of that energy that I bring because when I have a shitty day, and I walk into the office, everybody will know that I have a shitty mm. day if I'm not aware of it. So I'm not the person that, that is somewhere in the background that you will not notice. And when I walk in, people will feel me. And I have to be very aware of that, of that about that space and that energy that I bring. If I'm not, then I will influence other people in a positive or, or negative way. And super, that's what I find in leadership super interesting, how you can bring people along on this adventure and be aware of, of these kind of Sometimes you, you, I have to talk my, teach myself this. This is actually from the last year where I tried to really invest in myself to be capable mm. of reading people and looking at them and try to understand how they feel. And sometimes recently I went to a colleague and when I was at her desk, she started crying and I just, I saw that, felt that I needed to be there. Mm. I, in the past, I would never have been capable of doing this because I was not aware of, I was just listening to words while looking at people and try to read them in a different way. Yeah. I think what you're sharing is so much important because a lot of my my work is actually at, at those deeper levels which are beyond words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And many times what we do is we try to understand uh, trust or empathy. These are good words that uh, people are talking mm-hmm. about today. But the the fallacy we can fall into is that we try to understand it through our brains or we try to get tactical mm-hmm. with the trust, right? So what you yeah. shared about your energy, right? That's something which is a felt experience. It's It's not... Planned. It's you cannot plan and be empathetic with somebody. Mm. It has to be felt. It has to your presence has to be felt. You mm. cannot force somebody because you have planned or you have understood somebody analytically. So I think that's mm. uh, very powerful that you're pointing out, and it's a huge blind spot for for many leaders today. Yeah. How do you help entrepreneurs with that? I think first of all, getting them connected to their body, because a lot of people mm. actually stay in their heads with yeah, this. Yeah. Basically means their breathing is shallow. They're not breathing up deep. And that has a very direct uh, way in which people show up physically. So if if you help people to just relax, take their breathing down into their belly and then speak from, you can, you will immediately see your energy shifting, your tone of voice shifting and the level of impact, the same words will make if you're speaking from high up, from chest and above, or if you're speaking from a grounded sense of your values uh, like if, like the example which you shared, right? So you lacked meaning at one point and then you bring meaning. The moment you share that, it comes from your gut. It comes from a deeper part of you. And just sharing from that place, your voice becomes much more impactful. You, everything which you say becomes easier for others to buy into. Uh, rather than talking about strategies of how to influence people, you can just be from that place and then that shows up in multiple levels and that produces exponential results. So what I say is that if you want 10%, 20% increments, 
then yes, there are a lot of ways, but if you want 200%, 300% increments, then we have to go, which, which is a huge blind spot for us. And that creates that potential for exponential. And yeah, many cool. times moving, like moving your, moving your physical body. And one thing which I, which I do, because I am also a photographer, mm. uh, like you shared about using your hands. I, I do learn a lot from photography, which I then mm. tie back to leadership. So many times I will walk, walk on the streets of Amsterdam with somebody with a coach of mine, with a camera. And then I use the camera to get them see something in their body, which they can't mm. see. Right? I would mm. ask them to approach somebody and take a photograph. And the first thing they are doing is they are planning about it. So they are planning about it and that makes them conscious. That makes them, and then the other person also gets conscious. So the photograph becomes difficult. But then I mm -hmm. invite them to just go deep into their body, take some deep breaths, go out there and just click a photograph without thinking. And then that mm. brings puts them at ease, puts the other person is at ease, the photograph becomes better and uh, people smile at each other. Everything is the same, but you are, you're just operating from your head or from your body. And then the next moment they, they walk into their office, they actually know what to do. So they have been talking strategically about a conflict. If they can feel a conflict and then speak mm -hmm. from that level, include other people's emotions as well, a lot of pent up energy, which is waiting to be released, get released. And there is this sense of openness or aha in the room. We were waiting for something like this to happen, right? Because this creates well-being. This releases all the stress. And people feel totally relaxed. You can see their bodies suddenly changing shape. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I once saw myself presenting. They recorded it. When I was younger. Sometimes not to record things that I present as well. But that was my first time I really saw myself presenting. It's so confronting. <laughs> So it's really interesting to, to, to hear that you're using photos to, to show people actually the, even their own body language, like how are you sitting, how are you moving, how are you, uh, you can see it, certain stressed things in your, in your body, especially also with breath work and all that stuff, you can feel certain things in your body. And, and what I love as well is some role plays and then you, mm -hmm. you're the observer because then you really have the space to observe people because you're not talking yourself, you're not in that conversation. That's really learning for helpful as well to just observe people. And, and, and that's why I like when I was with certain people in a meeting and I don't have to leave the meeting, I have all the time to observe people. Like to try to understand how they're feeling and to contribute, how they're doing, and et cetera. So it's, uh, yeah, it's cool. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. I, th I think the hidden aspects of leadership is I, I use a metaphor of a book that if you open a book, you focus on the words which are printed. Uh, but the book is much more than that. Most of the book is the white space on which the words mm. are written. And uh, similarly, if as a leader, if you can focus not on what to do, what strategy, what tactic, what to speak, but on the white space, which is all the emotions, which is all that, which is unsaid, which people mm. are feeling, but they're not able to express it. If you mm. can focus there, the, the words basically take care of themselves. And that's what you're saying, right? If you're in a meeting, you're observing, what? you're creating that space, you're observing, and then results basically happen. So if you have shared this goal with you, with your team, that this is what we want to create, then the team basically will get together to fulfill that mission. And you are there to support, you're there to guide, but you're not yeah. there to take them, like not to pull them behind you. And I think that's a major context shift, which, which happens with, with many leaders and it creates a lot of opportunities for potential uh, exponential results. Yeah, and I always invite my leadership team to to express everything you feel, right? So often we start and then we start do, just do a round, like, how are you feeling at this point? Are you feeling stressed? Are you okay? Are you feeling tired? Are you, 
that's already ground before. And then I would always invite everyone to speak out. Like if you have the feeling that there's a certain energy or something's not uh, spoken about or like always throw it on the table, like even if you're nervous about something or you don't feel well, or you have the feeling that, it, that there's a conflict, throw it on the table. Like people are, and I'm not sure, I'm, I don't know why, but some people tend to not talk about it. And I try to create an environment and that's, that's why I was talking about psychological safety. An environment where it's okay to, to talk about these kind of things, to throw it on the table. That's, it's really, I think it's really key to, uh, on, on, for long-term relationships and being a good leader and having your team going along. Yeah. 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 I think that's a very powerful practice of asking people how they are feeling and then to not make them wrong or not go into judgment about whatever no, they're feeling. No, right? no, yeah, exactly. so it's uh, part of being human to, to feel, to feel sad, frustrated, everything yes. at time. And yeah, and the more you acknowledge, the more you allow those energies to basically circulate rather than tie, tie them down, which creates a lot of mental health problems in the long term. Yeah. Cool. Wonderful. But I think I'm loving this. We are already over the time that we, that I planned for. Uh, but I'm loving this. I'm loving this conversation. Oh, thank you, Richard. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to wrap it up with a few questions. Is there something which you want to share, which most people don't know? Something I want to share that most people don't know about me. Well, it's a good question. I think what I don't really share that my, my father has been sick for five. The, the, the challenging part about leadership, I sometimes think, is that you have to be a leader, but you can show vulnerability, but you don't want to show weakness. Hmm. I think. At least that's how I look at it. So if they think oh, I'm not capable of doing it, how can they trust everyone to be capable of, of, of realizing this dream? Yes, I can be vulnerable. I have my shit too. Like my father has been sick for, for many years and I had to deal with that. And, and there are other things in my life as well. But I, I try to show the team that, that there's a difference between vulnerability and weakness. And I have to step up as a leader. So yes, I can, I can show that, that I'm vulnerable as well. I have my shit. And I, I often also share that with the team, right? So I also there, I, I, I live by example. So I share my shit as well. But one of the challenging things in that is that there's a thin line between vulnerability and you don't want to show too much weakness as, as the, the guy that's trying to realize the dream. So people don't know that it might be sometimes that I, I feel that I have a bit of weakness, but I don't really show it in that way. And I'm also a human, so uh, I try to do the best I can, but I've never done it before. So I'm also insecure at times. So that's, and it's also, I'm oh, sorry, I'm not sure if you hear that, but there's a lot of sound. I not always show that, but it's, yeah, I do sometimes, but not every time, I think. So that worked out. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that here. And I, I think leadership is not about perfection. And most often we make it harder for ourselves when we, see it that way. And I, th I think we live up, we li live in this world where we see movies and we see our heroes as perfect mm. or as uh, like they can solve everything. They can do things on their own while it's leadership is, is just an element of being human mm -hmm. and sure. anything which is human cannot be uh, in a position to leadership. So vulnerability and sharing your vulnerability often uh, is a strength. It, it's a strength actually. It's to be I able to share it. that. And even asking for help, which a lot of leaders will find it difficult. Asking for help and saying that I don't know, that we are in a pickle, I don't know which way, but let's experiment, is a hugely powerful statement 
because it focuses again on what is often unsaid. Because as you said, people can sense already. Sure. Know, if you're struggling, if, if there is something, people often can sense. But if you can bring it out and then you create those bonds and you create uh, those that togetherness and that might not be perfect. And, and that is perfect. That leadership is not perfect. Sure. Yeah. And also yeah. what the team here is that we have a big ambition. It's an adventure to go there. I'm not sure how to get there or if we're ever going to make it, mm-hmm. but that's not important. We have that big ambition. We have that vision where we want to go together and the impact we want to make. And the journey together is really like the most exciting thing. And, and I don't need to like tell this, I don't know, right? we're going to see it. And as long as we're learning from the things that we do and, and try to do yeah. our best in getting there, that's uh, it's really interesting to see that people are actually also want to contribute to that dream that I have mm. and want to be part of that for me. It's, and, and that's also leadership, I think, is that some people need that, right? Some are more born leader. I think everybody's a leader, obviously, uh, of their own life. But some people love it also to, to come along on a journey. And uh, this is, and I, love, and, and I needed to start realizing that at some point as well, because I thought, oh, wow, people, that's one of the guys that started this month. He had tears in his eyes when I was talking about my vision, ambition. And, and I thought, okay, so people get emotional about my adventure or like the dream that I have. And I never really thought about it that way that I can somehow like just inspire people. Maybe it's inspiring a bit, at least invite them to to join me on this adventure. And this is... Uh... Yes, yes. I, I love this metaphor of a journey. And I, I use, I, I love how you use the word invite rather than hiring people. The, the normal words which you use in business parlance, right? Hardly hiring people, convincing people, persuading mm. people. So you have mm-hmm. shown them a vision, you are going on an adventure uh, yeah. and then you are inviting them to be part of the journey. Mm-hmm. And all of these words are, um, like it, they, it might sound uh, very simple and trivial. They have a huge impact on the kind of emotions they produce. And as you said, people relate to that, people buy into that. And and then you, you don't have to be like taking a burden on your shoulders. You're, you're part of the team. A leader is also mm-hmm. part of the team. So wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Any lasting thoughts or any, how can somebody who is listening, I'm sure people would want to reach out to you. How, how can people find out more about you, what you do? Uh, yeah. So um, I'm definitely on LinkedIn. So uh, if you look for Bart Snyder's or Sprint and Sneakers, you will probably find me. I try to share some, some things about entrepreneurship, growth that we're in. If some people find that interesting, uh, then please just add me and uh, we can connect. And also this is, this is my passion and I, I love thinking about how to grow a business and all that stuff. Luckily I get paid for it to do it. Uh, so if there's anyone listening that wants to just have a coffee and chat about either leadership or entrepreneurship or the growth of their business from a growth hacking perspective, I'm happy to, to have a coffee and, and chat. You know, this is what I love to do. Yeah. Please uh, look for me somewhere and uh, I'm happy to get to know people as well. Sure. Thank you, Bart, once again, to be on the podcast, to share your views so openly with us. Thanks uh, for inviting and, me. Uh, yeah, wonderful. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast, and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride, and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but also for those around you. This is what I do most naturally to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of, 
I say what might be uncomfortable for me to say or for you to hear to show you that all our dreams which have been on hold are within our grasp. If you like the sound of it, do not forget to leave a rating. I invite you to subscribe to my newsletter at deployyourself.com slash newsletter. You can also reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook to share any other comment or feedback. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.